Hey, this is Mark A. Altman from Inglorious Trexperts. And if you like our show, Inglorious Trexperts, you'll love Disco Nights with host Chase Masterson and special guests every week. All new episodes premiere every Thursday night wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, this is not Gene Roddenberry, but uh, if I was around, I would definitely be listening to Inglorious Trexperts, the new podcast from the people who brought you the 430 movie. Check it out, 430movie.com. This is Mark A. Altman, and welcome to the 4.30 movie with your favorite 4.30 movie host. What time is it? Well, last we heard, Tanya Roberts is still alive, so that's great news. And we're here with our fabulous 4.30 movie host, Mr. Darren Dockerman. Uh, hi there. Mister. I'm, I'm Tuesday. I know. I'm not going by the days of the week. It's guilty pleasures. I'm going with my favorite days of the week. Thursday. Mr. Ashley Edward Miller. Except on Wednesday. Yes, <laughs> Wednesday. That's right. Indeed you are. Wednesday, Ashley Edward Miller. And starting the week off right, on it's Mr. Stephen Melching. On Thursday, guilty. <laughs> well, guys, it's back. We're ready for Guilty Pleasure Strike Back. You loved it last year, and we're back with some more horrible movies that we love. And um, it's going to be fun. It'll be interesting to see what people say. And I always love to read the feedback on Twitter to see what you say, uh, what your favorite guilty pleasures are. Um, I have to admit, it was very easy for me last time to pick because it was one movie that stood uh, head and shoulders above the others. This, This time, it's a little difficult. Um, can you refresh our memory what your picks were for the first guilty pleasure, Steve Melching? Uh, mine was Arnold Schwarzenegger in Commando. Very good. Let off some steam. I kill you last, Steve. <laughs> so, uh, Darren Doctorman, Tuesday, what was your pick? Mine was Good Journey, the Masters of the Universe. <laughs> Masters of the Universe. That was Darren's pick. By, directed by auteur Gary Goddard. And number Thursday on Thursday. Number Thursday. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's a new year and I don't know what I'm talking about. I've been cooped up too long. Wednesday, Ashley, what was your pick? Howard the Duck. Ooh. Could forget. Who could forget Howard the Duck with the great Tim Robbins and Leah Thompson. And of course, my pick for Thursday was... The classic canon films released based on the book by Norman Mailer, Tough Guys, Don't Dance. <laughs> and that was that was a hell of a week. And for Friday, our consensus pick was another canon films classic, Toby Hooper's Life Force. <laughs> of course, Life Force was actually directed by Steven Spielberg, but he well, didn't yeah. want to take credit for it. No, that's, that's <laughs> no Toby Hooper was fully responsible for Life Force. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I'll tell you, I remember I actually did a Q&A with Toby Hooper at the Arrow Theater. We showed a 70 millimeter print of Life Force. And uh, that was that was fun. That's a lot of millimeters. Many for that movie. That's, that's, that's a lot of millimeters. Made 70 millimeters <laughs> high. That's a lot it's, of pixels. It's a lot of rails back is what it is. 
<laughs> and that and that well, week you, of movies from last time, there's more guilt in that week than uh, Catholic like, Church confessional booth, what? right? <laughs> but you know what? You look at that week, and it's like if that was your that was your film festival for the week, it would be a lot of fun. You would. Have it would fun. be a lot of fun. Yeah, it would sure. be fun. And that, or it would be we could call it the Ashley E. Miller Film Festival because <laughs> every day would be like your Wednesday. Yeah, but see that that was the problem that I had last time, which was is my guilty pleasure so out of the box it should be like Hannah and her sisters? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 I, I I understand. It's so funny because I heard your voice wafting through the house, and I was wondering <laughs> what what was going on, and I realized it was my wife listening to 4:30 movie. And uh, and she was she listens to it, but she was she's a little behind. She was she was saying uh, it was Criterion Week. She said, "Oh, this is a really good week." I said, "Yes, it was." I said, "We've only done what five since then, but um, but it was a it was a good, a good week." But it was weird to hear your your voice wafting through uh, through the house. My so, dulcet uh, tones. Your dulcet yeah. because you know she used to listen to him in the car, but now you know she listens there to him no in her car. office. Right now you there could no listen car. to him in the car now, but you just wouldn't I go guess. anywhere. You just, just sit in the well, car. And just well, go it's away. funny. I have to tell you because I have a hybrid, right? And I, I, I think I've had a call triple A like five times now because I, I a week goes by, two weeks go by, and you I gotta always start. The car. It, you got to start. It. I, well, now I know that now. I know that now. I've had the triple A out, and then I, I had them come, and and I, I guess I didn't drive it around enough because then the next day I went to use it, and it didn't start because I apparently didn't charge the. The battery. Enough. There was a battery, but not, <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> yeah, I think early right. on in the pandemic, like when everything was like locked down here in LA, I, I would take my car out once or twice a week and just get on the freeway. And there's nobody on the freeway. And I just go about five or six exits down full speed, get off the freeway and come back to charge my hybrid battery. Gotta keep yeah, it that was smart. That was smart. Did not work. I I, I now know. I, now I, you know. You know. Now you're I'm a movie guy. I wasn't in the card care club when I was, you know, in high school. I was the movie guy. I was now in the car care club. I, I the only closest I got to that was watching Christine in high school. So uh, I, it was not my thing. So I got to ask you guys. I got to ask you guys. So you know, we're we're at the beginning of 2021. 2020 is mercifully over. You know. Normally, we all sit down and we think about, you know, what our favorite movies were from the previous year. And, you know, I'm reading a lot of these lists and I got to say, I'm really embarrassed. I haven't heard of most of these movies. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I really I'm like, I don't know what they are. I, I literally don't know what they are. I've heard a few uh, of the titles uh, and I might know a little bit about them, but. Yeah, they're like, you know, I, I don't know where you see these things. You stream them. You got to know about them. I don't know. I, I would have a real hard time putting together a 10 best list for 2020. I couldn't. I could TV five list very list. easily. Yeah. 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 Five, Tiger yeah. King would, by the way, be the top of my TV list. <laughs> Honestly, I think as, as few shits as the American public has given about the Oscar awards in, say, the last 10 to 15 years, I don't <laughs> think they will ever give fewer shits about the Oscars than they will in 2021. <laughs> Yeah. Let, let me tell you, the, the ratings on this year's Oscar will, will uh, you know, I don't know, I, you know, if six people are going to watch it this year. I don't know what they're going to do to get people to watch the Oscars this year. Well, because, there's nothing else that's going to be on, first of all. No, I, I don't know if that's that's true. And and I think people counter-program. I, I, but there's plenty to watch on streaming. Yeah. So it's like, I don't see people watching the Oscars. Because they don't watch it under the best of times. Yeah. So this year, when there's like literally nothing that anyone's ever heard of, 
Um, and the people, the things they have heard of, they hated, like Wonder Woman '84. Um, wh- what's gonna, what's it gonna be? So I gotta ask you. So, did you have a favorite movie um, and a favorite TV show from last year? Let's start with Monday with Steve Melching. I, I, I'm totally unprepared for this question. I, I can't even. Ah! I, I can't even think of the movies that I. I mean, I can think of some random movies that I saw that I kind of like, but like. I, I want to point out to our audience. Steve is unprepared. Now, not only <laughs> this is a guy he recently on Facebook, he posted a list of every movie he watched and in and and television okay, show and television show by not episode only, and by date and by date it was chronological. Yeah. He chronicled he he chronicled his entire year of movie going and TV watching. And I have to say that for Ashley being your boss, it must've been somewhat upsetting to see you had that much free time. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't really work for Ashley last year. So there you go. He was out by that time. (laughs) <laughs> you know, okay, you know, the, you know, the years just go by so quickly now. Oh, but I, you know, I think I, I, you know, keep tabs on friends on Facebook. They post about all the stuff they watch, and like, and I keep thinking, how do they have time to watch all this stuff? Like, I, I watch like, you know, I don't know, five or six movies a week, and you know, maybe a couple episodes of TV per day, on average. Right. That's a yeah, lot. Doesn't seem like Steve. that much. That's that, no, that's a lot. Yeah, that's like three mm-hmm. hours in the evening. Yeah, oh, that's a lot. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't have, I don't have kids or anything, so I guess I have more time. Yeah, and he has twins, so he has less time. Yeah, Ashley, Ashley does well. Look, this episode is about guilty pleasures, and we talked a little bit about what guilty pleasure is. You're not going to go down uh, last the list? time. He's not going to apparently. He's not going to go he down. Doesn't the care what we think, Darren. Yeah, no, that's okay. Well, Steve was so adamant that he couldn't even begin to answer this question that it was such a crazy out of left field thing to ask so i'm gonna i'm gonna go to i'm gonna go to tuesday what do you do when monday is a bust you go to tuesday you make your way to friday so darren tell us what you answer the question don't wait for the translation answer me now i got nothing i didn't watch anything new this year last year <laughs> i just wanted to be asked is that so wrong <laughs> Actually, I actually want to go to prom. I just wanted to be asked. That was something I that was something I consciously did that last year because there were no new movies coming out of any right. real interest. And because television right. was there was some great TV that came out. The, the Crown. I loved the Crown last season. That was terrific. There were some great shows that, that were on, on streaming or, or TV, but I used the opportunity to try to fill in a bunch of those blanks, like classic movies or movies I've always heard about that I've never seen. Cinema Paradiso for one. Exactly. Yeah. So I I probably, yeah, I tried every week to watch at least one, if not more, new movies that I've never seen. I've recently uh, uh, started uh, uh, moving into the uh, episodes of The Crown where they brought in the ugly actors. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm advancing through that. <laughs> I gotta I gotta watch these shows. I've had no interest in Bridgerton or The Crown or uh, Downtown Abbey, Downton Abbey. I, I these I, I guess I should probably I think Downtown Abbey would be. <laughs> that sounds like a pimp name, doesn't I it? Wanna, yeah. I want to see that. I want to go downtown. Yeah. Oh so, yeah, that's just anyway. Downtown Abbey. She's yeah. really something. 
Uh, so Downton Down, Down Abbey, you can probably get what you need to get out of it after season one or two. It's kind of diminishing mm. returns for me after season two. Uh, but The Crown is fantastic, I think, yeah, consistently. Okay. I got to I gotta, I gotta consider But I want to hear what Ashley liked. Yes. Well, yes. Yeah, so we're going to go to Wednesday and see if maybe Ashley actually has an answer to this question. <laughs> you mean Thursday? <laughs> Yeah, Thursday, whatever, uh, yourself, I, whatever. I'll tell you, um, and it's it's fresh in my mind. I actually haven't finished watching the entire thing, but I will say for the record that I absolutely love so far uh, about three quarters of the way through Cobra Kai season three. Cobra Kai, Cobra Kai is just a fabulous show. And I feel like oh, in the absolutely. very, very first episode of this show, the pilot, the seldom seen black and white pilot, yeah. right before NBC like ordered yeah. a second one. Yeah, yeah. Um, that Steve brought that up, and we spent a couple of minutes waxing poetic about how wonderful it is, and it's still wonderful three seasons later. And then for movies, okay, I'll answer that in two ways. Number, I, I didn't. I, I also have that. to correct you. Cobra Kai is this year. Yeah, technically. Mm. <laughs> I'll be well, except there. no, no, no. I'll tell you why not. Uh, I'm going to evoke a, a little known, seldom used <laughs> Netflix early activation clause. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't watch it when it was on YouTube Red. I did uh, not. Shit. No, because Shit. when they they got rid of original programming, Netflix picked it up, so yeah. it was new on Netflix. So yeah. I think we'll we'll, that's we'll right. accept that. I think that's so, legitimate. Watch YouTube okay. Red. It's it's close, Stephen. Anyway, I did. I love da- da- Darren came over to my house and a couple of us got together and we watched the entirety of season one the day it came out, and then a year later we got together again and watched the entirety of season two together. And we were going to do it with season three, but of course we can't this year. Yeah. But no, you it's, can't. It is a wonderful show. Uh, and then for movies, I thought I I quite enjoyed. Um, uh, let him go uh, with uh, Kevin Costner, Diane Lane uh, reprising her roles as Ma and Pa Kent, except we, I thought it was a sequel to frozen. Right. No, no, it's uh, it's one would think, but actually I thought it was, it was, it was really kind of interesting. It was a lot darker than I thought it would be. And, and it was, it was just kind of this weird little Western um, that I didn't see coming. So I dug that, but I have to say, Mark, Yes. Um, and this is going to cause you to question Ashley. everything you know and think you know. That I, I, I think the movie that I saw for the first time in 2020 that I enjoyed the most yeah. was Dick Annie Ball. Hall. That's so, that gives me such joy. That gives me such joy to hear that, I have to tell you. It should. Yeah, it's a delightful yeah. movie. It's a delightful yeah, movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. And I, I, I'm looking forward to hearing more as you, you dive into some of the rest of Woody's oeuvre. Maybe we can actually do a Woody Allen week one day on this show when <laughs> you've seen enough episodes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When I've seen all the episodes of the Woody show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's Woody Woodpecker. Oh, Woody yeah. Woodpecker. We're not doing the, <laughs> the Woody Allen Pecker Woody show. <laughs> I don't know that we want to see that show, but... But um, Woody, but, Her- Woody know, Harrelson week. Woody, Har- Woody Harrelson week. Exactly. It's just Woody week. It's like, just movies <laughs> Woody. starring or directed or written by somebody named Woody. Or with a character. Or with named a character Woody. named Woody. So you know what? Let's do Woody week. Guys. Woody Guthrie. Uh, Woody. The we'll cowboy. Just do, uh, 
Movies that would have been better if the Muppets had made them. That yes. Be that way. <laughs> I saw on YouTube, somebody did a, uh, they, 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 they just composited in Kermit the Frog, a Kermit the Fro- Frog puppet as um, Emperor Palpatine in uh, Revenge oh, of the God. Sith. Do it! Mm. It's just, it's fantastic. I'll have wow. to see Oh, that. I'd like oh, to see that. Awesome. I'd enjoy that quite a bit. You know, I have to say, you know, for those of you who don't know, Ashley wasn't kidding when he talked about the, the unaired pilot of the show, because of course the show began as an untitled podcast where the four of us just sat around and, and, uh, bullshitted about things and we talked about solo as I opposed to the 430 movie yeah and yeah. and and <laughs> i forget what else we talked about but there was like no real format and it was very much of that moment and uh we and talked we about our, that... our sound uh, sound engineer's dating life or something oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right that's right. <laughs> that's right aaron ratner that's right oh my god yeah and we realized that there was something that worked about the show but also, but a lot of things that didn't. Clearly didn't. <laughs> and, and so that show, and in fact, that was in the podcast feed for a little while. And then finally, we dropped it from the podcast feed. So it just started with the first 430 movie. You realize that there's that. going to be a clamoring of that unaired episode. It's you know going to be it's it's a boot, bootleg. Episode. Well, I, I, I don't think so, because my plan is to take that episode and cut it into two parts and uh, film uh, we'll, we'll do uh, like the episode where Steve <laughs> steals the Enterprise to take me back to Talos 4. <laughs> what do you if you like if you like this episode beep yes and if you don't like this episode beep twice i'm stealing um, okay. this podcast <laughs> starbase operations starbase operations. um okay so again we find ourselves drifting into star trek but the the, the, the funny thing is this is the 430 movie where many of the people listening have no interest whatsoever in star trek so um if you're interested in star trek you should be listening to inglorious trexperts uh, uh, our sister podcast, which is currently counting down, I think, hour 16 of um, <laughs> the 101 Greatest America sci-fi Held Hostage. Episode. <laughs> 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 oh, my oh, my God. Okay, well, the, the theme today is the week is Guilty Pleasures. As always, Guilty Pleasures, or any uh, of our theme weeks, begins with Monday. And so, Steve, uh, tell us what your guilty pleasure is for Monday. I'm totally unprepared for this. This is a tricky one because, um, you know, the first time we did it, it was pretty easy for me to make my pick uh, to choose Commando. I mean, it's a, it's a movie that's not good, but is, I find, endlessly entertaining and fun to watch. How can you not silly. go Commando, Steve? Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. It's, it was a good time. When I, I think when we talked about doing this episode, Ashley said something like, maybe it's not Guilty Pleasures Week. It's like, it's F you, I liked it week. Because I'm not <laughs> sure. I, I had narrowed my pick down to like two different movies. And I honestly think they're actually both pretty good movies. So I don't feel mm. that guilty about them. Yeah. Uh, mm. I'm, I'm proud to admit that I like these movies. And, you know, th- there are other movies that, I guess I won't mention them because it's possible that one of you might pick them, but there are several movies on my, my list that uh, maybe when they came out or when I was younger, I would have considered a guilty pleasure, but now I don't, (laughs) or, or maybe I don't, but society in general has decided suddenly that these are classic movies. Like, you know, one crazy example, like the Goonies. I think it's, 
a goofy movie, but people of a certain age <clears throat> love that movie right. and they think it's a great movie and they're not guilty about it at all. And I, right and, and, yeah. So, you know, it, it's tricky. And there are a couple of movies like that on my list that I do have a lot of affection for, but I will admit are, are kind of goofy, but people just love them now and embrace them. So anyway, that's neither. It's here interesting. There. It really breaks down by age, doesn't it? Because I mean, I, I look at all those people that love a view to a kill and I, I'm thinking what, you know, they should be institutionalized. Who are these? Like, people? how can you, I don't know, who, you know, how can you defend them, the view to a kill? And, and, and then, you know, and then, you know, my assistant and our production associate, the lovely guy, Peter Holmstrom, I mean, he just thinks that Batman versus Superman is a classic. And, you know, you sit there and you're like, and he's a very intelligent guy who I taste, I respect in most cases, but then he says something stupid like that. And you it makes you question the universe that's a, and the future generations. That's a movie that paid all my bills for four months, and I still hate it. <laughs> <laughs> and there, there's definitely something to like the age, the age you are when you see something, and what's going on in your life, or your friends, or you know, you, you develop a certain bond to it, or you know, if you're seeing it in the, I don't know, the, yeah, the sort of the the period in which it came out, um, like Howard the Duck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, hey, look, yeah. man, I, Lee Thompson. I mean, well, that I can understand. Well, I mean, come on, right, guys? Lee Thompson, was... no argument from me. Okay, well, cool. I, yeah, I, yeah. I was more of a, a, a Jennifer. Con- I was more of a Jennifer Connelly. Oh yeah, at me that too. Time. Well, but, uh, I mean, I love them both. I mean, both if fans. only they could have done a two-hander, that would have been great, like a buddy hey, cop now. movie or something. But a buddy <laughs> that sounds dirty. Well, that's a common parlance in uh, feature films and television <laughs> oh, for uh, two co-stars <laughs> yes. as opposed to one lead. Huh. Okay, so anyway, that said, um, so Monday. So Monday, theme. you know, I, I'm going to go with my my initial instinct for my pick, and and I'll I'll discuss my secondary, my backup at the end of the at the end of the show. So I'm going with a movie that. Um, I really didn't have a lot of anticipation about seeing, uh, although it was made by very famous filmmakers who were kind of at the top of their powers at the time. Uh, Quest for Fire. Yeah, Quest for Fire. And uh, it was a movie that had a huge budget, a lot of uh, publicity behind it, uh, you know, wide release. Okay, I'm writing it down. I know what I think it is. And it and it kind of bombed. It opened in I think third place at the box office, and it never got any higher than that. And uh, it it ultimately it ultimately is considered a bomb financially. I always loved it from the. I couldn't believe I was watching this thing when it was unspooling in front of me. I I had a great time with it, and I watched it again last week, and uh, I still love it. I think it's terrific. Is it on your list posted? Is it on my Can list? Hold it up. Is it on oh. your posted list? I can't read. You can't read a damn thing. I cannot read it. I can't read it. What is it? What does it say? It says Speed Racer. No. Mark is once again correct. Your son seems to be interested in only one thing. All he talks about... All he seems capable of thinking about is automobile racing. Oh, shit. Speed <laughs> to 
2008 wow. Speed Racer, uh, written and directed by the Wachowskis, uh, starring Emile Hirsch, Christina Ricci, John Goodman, Susan Sarandon, Matthew Fox, Scott Porter. Uh, music score by Michael Giacchino. Uh, director of photography, David Tattersall, who did the Star Wars prequels, among other things. Um, I, I could, I, I'm not a Speed Racer fan. Uh, I watched the show a little bit growing up, but I don't think it was on, or at least at a time that was convenient for me to see it when, when I was growing up. So I wasn't super familiar with Speed Racer, the cartoon. I loved uh, some of the Wachowskis' work prior to this. I loved Bound. Uh, I loved the first Matrix movie. Uh, this The Matrix sequels, not so much. They're interesting, but um, I think they should have maybe stopped after the first one. The first one's... Uh, incredible. Um, so when this movie came out, I thought, yeah, Speed Racer, Wachowskis, yeah, you know, I, you got to see it. You know, you got to see a movie made by those uh, by the, those filmmakers at that time. And uh, from that opening 15 minute sequence where they're cross cutting between young speed in school and, you know, present day speed in his race and the flashbacks to Trixie and the flashbacks to his older brother who he idolized and that whole sequence where he's on the racetrack and he's, you realize he's racing his brother for the speed record on that track. I found it so, the filmmaking and the editing in that sequence was so exhilarating and just so spellbinding, the, the, the energy uh, and the visual style it was just so colorful and outrageous. I, I was just smitten with that movie from that point on. And I thought maybe the movie went on a little long. I would have maybe liked it if it was maybe 10, 15 minutes shorter. But uh, ultimately, I, I absolutely adore this movie. And uh, I, I don't understand the, the critical revulsion that, uh, that, uh, that a lot of... Uh, you know, that it experienced, even though there are a lot of people uh, in recent years who are, you know, who are stepping up and, and advocating for it. You know, I'm with Steve, man. Um, I always thought this movie was, was fun. I agree. It was probably a little long, but like, but visually I just loved it and I loved its, its energy and I loved its vibe. And there's a cool story. Um, it's almost everything you need to know about making movies. Uh, so, and this is going to sound like Star but, but uh, I heard a story from Emile Hirsch, who was telling us about this day that Matthew Fox was on set. He was shooting, seeing his racer acts. He was supposed to drive up, you know, and kind of look over and give a look, right? And the Wachowskis made him do it, like made him give the look again and again. And every time he gave the look, they're like, mm, it's too much. Can you bring it down just a little bit less, a little bit less, a little bit smaller? Until finally, they like, went through so many takes of this that Matthew Fox was like, if I give you any less, I'm going to be giving you nothing at all. And one of the Wachowskis, and I can't remember which one he, he said it was, said, yeah, but nothing is cool 40 feet high. <laughs> That's a great story, man. <laughs> <laughs> nothing is cool 40 feet high. And, how do you get better than that? And Matthew Fox looked freaking cool in that movie, I think. I mean, his, the mask, I mean, he looked, he looked awesome. I yeah. Thought. He looked great. And I, I love the design. I mean, I love the way they, you know, I'm not super familiar with the show and the, and the characters. And the, I, I was familiar with who they were, but I wasn't a fan. But the Mach 5 looked incredible. And I loved the way it used all of the, 
the little, you know, James Bond style gadgets that were in the car, the pachoingers, as we always call them, that make the car like vault into the air and flip over and the, the saw blades and, and all that kind of stuff. It was it was just so fun and inventive and energetic that uh, I don't I, I I'm not guilty about it. I love it. That's, well, that's good. It's funny. It's funny you say that because um, I actually was really into the Speed Racer TV show when they started showing it again on MTV back in the, I guess it was the 90s probably. Mm-hmm. And, and I was a big fan of uh, Speed Racer. And then I was one of those people that after hearing the reviews did not go to see Speed Racer. So to this day, I've not seen Speed Racer. Mm-hmm. And I know so many people like you that actually love that movie. So I guess for next year's New Year's resolution, <laughs> I should probably see uh, Speed Racer. I have it on Blu-ray, so I mean, sitting in the closet, I probably should watch. No it. excuse. <laughs> no excuse. Yeah, I. I what about you, Darren? When I first saw it, I, uh, I, I didn't hate it. I thought it was fun, but I've had no urge to watch it again because that energy you speak about. Whereas it sounds like that energy transferred to you while you watched it, I felt that that en- energy was being pulled from me as I was watching. <laughs> so that that's my experience with it. I, I thought it was, you know, it, it looks, it looks great. Uh, the editing is uh, uh, very edity. Um, the movie is a lot in all ways. It wears its it heart on its sleeve and its storytelling and the visuals are relentless yeah. and incredibly colorful. And it's just, you know, I can understand there are some critics that said the film gave them a headache. And I can understand where that comes from because you're just getting a tremendous amount of sensory input. Like, and it's nonstop. Like, yeah. that's the back. I mean, the whole thing looks like it's a live action cartoon with the, the bright colors and the, the set design and the props and everything. It's, yeah. it's, that it was never my, lets but up. But I don't dislike it. So that's okay. Monday. That's a good Monday. <laughs> so that brings us to uh, Tuesday and Darren Docterman. What's your pick for guilty pleasures? Well, I don't have any more guilt to give. I am not clearly. Guilty. You're I, not Jewish. <laughs> I am not guilty about anything that I like, and I don't like anything that is bad in my mind. Um. So, I I was at a complete. Uh, blockage as to what I would pick for tonight. Um, however, I finally, uh, you know, winnowed it down to something that I loved from when I was a kid, but no one else that I've ever known has, uh, at least outwardly, uh, shared that. And uh, it's yet another of these movies that showed endlessly on uh, New York television. Uh, at least a couple times a year, maybe more. Um, usually on WNEW Channel 5, which was the Metro Media station. And it, uh, it played, I think, maybe during Easter, maybe during Thanksgiving. I don't remember exactly when, but I remember it being on a lot. And I watched it a lot. And I memorized the freaking thing. And it is ingrained in my brain. So I can play it back at any point. And this is one of the first movies that actually uh, had that position in my mind. Uh, it is a musical from 1952 starring Danny Kay as Hans Christian Andersen. 
and all of you are just completely blank. <laughs> <laughs> we got nothing. So, so I picked a good one. <laughs> um, he summoned a good one, big one. <laughs> um, it is this, you know, goofy sort of. Uh, it's it's not a it's not a biography movie. It is the 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 movie calls itself a fairy tale about Hans Christian Andersen. So um, it's uh, it's okay. Okay. it's really okay. funny, and and Siri apparently agrees. Check it out. Thank you, Siri. Um, <laughs> and it, but it's it the music is by uh, Frank Lesser. Who, of course, did so many. Uh, but is the movie called Hans Christian Andersen? Hans Christian Andersen, yes. Danny Kay plays Hans Christian Andersen. A tale I told and it turned to gold, as gold as a tale can be. I laugh, ha ha, but I blush a bit, for I realize while I'm reading it that it's also reading me by Hans Christian Andersen. His performance is the greatest the star has ever given. I don't remember insane. that. I, I, I thought it was called the Hans Christian Andersen story. No, no it's just Hans Christian. It is Anderson. just Hans Christian Andersen. Uh, uh, I, I believe there was a remake called just Hans, where he teams up with Thumbelina and they fight crime. <laughs> they fight Hans Gruber. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see that. Me too, actually. Now that I think about it, um, it was directed by King Vidor, uh, one of the you know big. Uh, Huge directors. Uh, in also fought Hollywood. Godzilla. Wait, no, that was. <laughs> King. I love King Vidor. In fact, like... he has one of my films for Silence Week. If we ever do Silence mm-hmm. Week. Sorry, Darren. Uh, he was one of those I'm, giants. I'm sorry that you're that... so young, Ashley, that you. Haven't I am seen sorry. It before <laughs> I'm delighted by this, actually. I think you should see it. It's. Uh, I think it's on uh, Amazon Prime uh, for just the cost of Amazon Prime and Channel Five in New York. Well, you know, that's the thing. No channels show these movies anymore. Uh, and, and so they aren't, they aren't forced on kids. And that's the difference uh, from when we were growing up to now, is that kids have so much selection of stuff that they know that they want to see. Yeah. But they haven't been exposed to things that they might want to see, but they don't know it, or they may actually uh, react against it if you suggest it. Um, right, yeah, kids can choose exactly yeah. what they want to watch. They can watch the same. I, I, I'm sure your kids have probably just wanted to watch the same movie over and over. I've certainly had friends and whose kids or, or nieces and nephews that just, you know, my old writing partners, kids just walked around with a portable DVD player watching the same movie yeah. like two or three times a day. Yeah, it's, it's not in my house. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, we watched uh, we watched uh, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street last Saturday, and this Saturday we watched It's a Wonderful Life. Nice, and both were welcomed and 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 appreciated. Good, and, uh, and no one's going to poo poo black and white in this house. <laughs> no, 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 no. They, they unless be, it's they'd the be artist, the, they'd be on the street. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the 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 gist of the movie is that Hans Christian Andersen is a poor cobbler, a, uh, a shoemaker who lives in Odense, which is in, uh, uh, you the know, Netherlands, the Netherlands. <laughs> um, and, uh, he, he basically spends most of his days, 
uh, telling stories to the children of the town and getting them in trouble by having them be uh, absent from school. And so the uh, local magistrates and schoolmasters are very angry at him, and uh, they basically boot him out of town. And so uh, because... Uh, Listen, Boots. Yeah, not exactly. <laughs> um, but so he, he uh, makes the decision to uh, take his apprentice with him. There are always two there are. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, they go to uh, Copenhagen. But in the... Sabotage. W- sabotage. Uh, now, Copenhagen is the preferred pronunciation of that city. Uh, by the people who are there, because Copenhagen is the way that the Nazis would pronounce it. So, unfortunately, this movie in 1952 pronounces it the Nazi way. So, uh, but it's a, it's you know, you've probably heard the song without knowing where it's from. It's called "Wonderful, Wonderful Copenhagen," and uh, there are tons. Or maybe you haven't, Ashley. I know. <laughs> about the, the context of that but that's the nazi way like yes. i just pictured like this just this chorus line of nazis singing wonderful wonderful copenhagen and there's a whole movie that would, happening that would be an interesting right movie in itself perhaps Wunderbar, for the producers Wunderbar, too yeah. <laughs> i'm thoroughly delighted um but it's a it's a wonderful song it's look it's stagey it is it is surreal it is odd but it is beautiful, and there are very sweet moments in it. He tells a story to a little uh, a little sick kid in Copenhagen who has his uh, hair shaved off because he's getting uh, treatment for a sickness. And that child's father happens to be the publisher of, of the paper, of the newspaper. And through that, the newspaper starts publishing Hans Christian Andersen's stories. And so it's a... And there is also an, an unrequited love story between Hans and uh, this uh, uh, foreign ballerina who he falls in love with and writes a, uh, a ballet for her. And uh, it's, it's very sweet and it's beautiful. And the songs are, uh, well, at least if you've seen the movie 150 times the way I have, you can't get the songs out of your head. There's one song where he does sing about Thumbelina. He's put in, in jail. Uh, for some reason, because he's, you know, he's just a, an anti-conformist. Um, but uh, he sings this little song and he, he, he paints a little face on his thumb and he's singing this song to a little girl outside the window of the jail who I just found out tonight is, her name is Beverly Washburn and she played... Um, uh, yeah, from, in Star Trek. In Star Trek, was, in, in the deadly years, she was yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Galway, Lieutenant Galway. Yeah. And uh, she said that that's a horrible place to put a mirror. But the little girl in the movie was her. And I just realized that tonight. So it's, you know, there's always, always a Star Trek connection. Always. So was, um, is this movie a, a biopic? Well, that's a what I said. Biopic? It's it's not a biopic. Okay. It's they, it, there's a crawl at the beginning of it that says, this is not a biography. This is a fairy tale about Hans Christian Andersen. So ah, it's, uh, it's, it's really fun. And Danny Kaye is great in it. And uh, he does all his, you know, famous uh, fast talking and, uh, and uh, singing and 
a little bit of dancing, but uh, it's it's really beautiful. And uh, for someone who likes that kind of thing, uh, they would just love it. It's so funny because the commercial is now going back to me on channel. You remember? I, I do. I do. Remember. <laughs> I never watched the movie, but I remember the commercial. Yeah. You know, I guess I guess it was the, the Nazi Copenhagen song. No. <laughs> it was, but I, I I do remember it. I, I remember they the, did have yeah, that clip in the those. commercial. They had the clip where he's t- telling the uh, the emperor's new clothes uh, uh, story, and it's, because yeah, go ahead. Channel Eleven had the best movies, right? Channel Five had like the second best movies, and the worst movies were always on Channel Nine. Right. W-O-R. O-R. They always had the cheapy, shitty movies. Right. But you know, so Eleven was the best. WPIX, and then Channel Five was somewhere in the middle. Yeah. But uh, you know, and this sounds just perfect for Channel Five. It, it was, and it was forever on there while I lived there. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is wild. I definitely remember that commercial. Wow. <laughs> That's that's uh that's interesting. What an interesting, what a bizarre little movie. It is. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. Well, I don't suppose anyone else has anything to say about Hans Christian Anderson. Nine. Nine. No, okay. Well, um, that brings us that was a great pick, actually. That's a great pick. So Wednesday, that brings us to Ashley. And um, as we often say, Every week is a guilty pleasure with Ashley, <laughs> other than Annie Hall. So let's see, uh, let's see what he has to say this week. Well, you know, it's Hump Day, uh, and uh, oh man, yeah, it's impossible to go out of the box this week. So I think uh, I'm going to go with Steve's philosophy on this, which was apparently my philosophy, which is that <laughs> this is really fu. I liked it week. Um, <laughs> rather than guilty pleasure, because I I guiltlessly love this movie, and I and I think the reason why it was on my mind was because uh, Steve and I have been kicking off uh, the cartoon barroom soon to premiere on the Electric Surge Network. Um, so you know, I was I was thinking about bars and and movies that happen in them, and uh, my pick for this week is the is the movie that, well, it's not the movie that that really made him a star, but it was it was the movie that made him a star in my eyes, uh, Patrick Swayze, <laughs> in uh, 1989's honky tonk western, Roadhouse. Can I buy you guys a drink? Guess not. Patrick Swayze is Dalton. I thought you'd be bigger. Opinions vary. When he's around, anything can happen. How's a guy like you end up a bouncer? Just lucky, I guess. And usually does. If somebody gets in your face, I want you to be nice. Don't! Don't be rude! Ask him to walk, but be nice. Help this gentleman to the door. Until it's time to not be nice. (laughs) Starring the great Patrick Swayze and Sam Elliott. Who says cool stuff like, man puts a gun in your face, you got two choices, stand there and die or kill the motherfucker. I mean, come on, man. (laughs) Roadhouse was directed by a dude named Rowdy Harrington. How do you get better for a movie like Roadhouse than than a guy named Rowdy? I mean, he sounds like he works in a roadhouse. I don't really know what else Rowdy Harrington did. I don't actually care because (laughs) Rowdy Harrington did this. He gave us this movie, which is this 
bare-knuckled brawler of a film that, frankly, on some level, could have been at home in Kung Fu Week. Mm. Uh, because it is chock full of, like, you know, fortune cookie philosophy um, and, like, and really great fights that are just incredibly brutal. I haven't seen anything like that except one of my other very favorite shows of, of all time, um, co- uh, I almost said Cobra Kai. It's not like Cobra Kai at all. Uh, although it kind of is. Uh, like Banshee, which is a whole other conversation. But uh, but the fights are amazing. And really, the structure of this movie is dirt simple. It's essentially a western um, that has been um, it's been updated and made contemporary. And the premise is that Patrick Swayze plays a bouncer, uh, but he's he's what's known as a cooler. Right. He's basically a sheriff. Yeah, exactly. It's like his job is to settle things down, right? And he tells his guys, it's like, you know, you be nice. You always be nice until it's time not to be nice, right? And then when it's time not to be nice, nobody is less nice than Patrick Swayze. He gets hired. Again, it's sort of following like the, the, the template of a Western but he he's the sheriff who gets brought in by like the, the mayor of the beleaguered little town and the mayor means well, but he doesn't really have the resources to put up with the rich guy who's taken the place over. And the rich guy doesn't want the sheriff coming in and cleaning things up because like things being dirty and messed up is good for the rich guy. He's making you know? money. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, it's thoroughly enjoyable. It's, it is in spite of what I said about sort of the fortune cookie wisdom, it's, it's weirdly unpretentious it's just fun. It's right-sized. Um, the violence is great. Patrick Swayze is great. Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott has never in his life been less than great. Sam Elliott plays Sam Elliott in every movie that he's in, but I love <laughs> Sam Elliott. Um, Kelly Lynch, you know, who is not great, but, like, but you know, it's a real love story is between Patrick Swayze and Sam Elliott. So, <laughs> uh, anyway, I I love Roadhouse, um, and it's just it's a delight to me. And I always love when I see it. Look, sometimes violence in movies can be fun, and I dig that too. But I appreciate it in some ways when there are fights in movies that feel like fights that could happen in the sense that people are getting hurt, including the hero. That it's you know it's it it sounds like things are painful and it looks like things are painful, you know, and it's just, it, it makes you respect the violence in the movie rather than sort of sitting back and kind of golf clapping at how pretty it is, even when the moves are great and they are. Um, but yeah, my, my pick is Roadhouse. Oh, wow. That, now that, I, I know you want to defend that not being a guilty pleasure. That's a great guilty pleasure. It's great. Yeah, it's fantastic. You needn't feel and, any guilt with that one because it's it is yeah, what it is. It is what it is, and that's true. It didn't set out to to uh, to be Citizen Kane, clearly. Um, and uh, but imagine how wonder- much better Citizen Kane would have been with Sam Elliott, Rosebud. Come on. Well, I mean, that's what's so great in Big Lebowski, you know, where they just have so much fun with the meta ness of Sam Elliott. The dude abides. We're just narrating the whole movie. It's so great. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, that, that's take comfort in the. You know, you have to go so much. Take it or easy for all of us. <laughs> I mean, it's that's it's so great. And then isn't he like a philosophy major or something? Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. So, he's a Zen, um, and he's a Zen Buddhist. He's always meditating. 
right? It's <laughs> awesome. Patrick Swayze. Uh, yes. It's 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 super fun. And now, did they they remade it or they did a sequel? There was I don't a remember. sequel that was kind of terrible that is I barely remember. And you, you realize that you know that it's the kind of thing that makes you appreciate the charisma of Patrick Swayze. And it's mm-hmm. it's yeah. you know, and a, a movie like that I don't think would have worked if it had been um, you know one of our standard action heroes. I'm trying to imagine Stallone in that film, and it's a <laughs> it's a totally different film. You know, it's like yeah. Patrick Swayze feels like a real guy. Like you could have yeah. a beer with, and there might be a fight in that bar, and you'd be glad that he's on your side. Yeah. You know, it's just there's this. He has a different vibe, man, and it works. I think it's just they're gonna the remake hair. it with James Marsden. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. I mean, it takes a special kind of. It can't be like Stallone. You know, it can't be so. I mean, the, the problem that a lot of people have with Total Recall is that the Dick story was basically, you know, just a normal guy. And then, Sorry. you know, you put Schwarzenegger in it and, uh, you know, he's all big and muscle bound. Is that anything like he's a, not every man? Is that anything like a two handed dick story? <laughs> oh, Philip K. Dick, the great author, the great sci fi author. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, had that wasn't uh, wasn't Total Recall originally a vehicle for um, gosh, what's his name? Uh, well, David Cronenberg was going to direct it for a while, wasn't he? Yeah, well, but starring, uh, blanking on his freaking name. I, I uh, thought it was Richard Dreyfus. Richard Dreyfus, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what I. I would love to see that. I would love to see the Richard Dreyfus or Kermit in it. We've got to get to Mars. Don't you understand? <laughs> <laughs> You've got what you want. Give these people air. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to see that one. Yeah. Oh my God! Yes, Richard Dreyfus. In, in Total Recall. That would be awesome. And then you have Arnold as, uh, as Johnny Camp. So, uh, Consider that a oh divorce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but who plays the Sharon Stone role? She's married to Richard Dreyfuss, Terry exactly. Gart. Miss Piggy. Because <laughs> everyone else is Piggy. Muppets. Everyone else, everyone else is Muppets. That's great. Total Recall with just Richard Dreyfuss Steve, and the Muppets. That's the I name would- of the book. Everyone else is Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> we should just do a podcast called Everyone, Everyone else, else is Muppets. Muppets. And yeah. each week we tell the story of a different movie oh and who the star is and who the Muppets and what That's happens. Hilarious. And everyone else is Muppets. Everyone <laughs> comes to Muppets. <laughs> oh my God. That's great. Well, Ashley, another fine pick. And I have to tell you, I, I do enjoy it a lot more than Howard the Duck. Thank you. I so, enjoyed a lot uh, more than Howard the Duck. <laughs> yeah, that you know, Roadhouse um, is one of those movies that I missed when it came out because it just looked like the kind of movie I wouldn't like or just like goofy, so I didn't see it. Uh, but I saw it uh, a few years ago and really enjoyed it. So there you go. At a uh, Fellini festival? Yeah. <laughs> it was a double feature with Cinema Paradiso. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you guys have made it incredibly difficult for me on here on Thursday, because uh, first of all, Ashley tried to take my day. No, no. <laughs> and, uh, but um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm torn because you sort of laid out the parameters. It's like, do I go with the you it's great pick or do I go with the genuine guilty pleasure? Because like, if I was going to, because it, it, I'm really, I'm torn because if I was going to go with the F you, uh, I think it's great. I might be inclined to go with David Lynch's Dune 
but because I don't genuinely feel it's a guilty pleasure, I actually feel it's a much better movie than people give it credit for. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm going to go with the guilty pleasure um, because there may be time to talk about Dune when we get to the end of the year and uh, um, when we get to, but, but uh, or maybe when we get to Friday, who knows? Um, but I will say uh, uh, that um you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna depart from the fu. I think it's great and go straight because the difference with a, a guilty pleasure is a movie you know is bad. So you're just you gonna like go it anyway. directly with the fu. <laughs> no, so, it's yeah, fu yeah, yeah. week because, here on the 4:30 movie yeah. <laughs> because the the fu is like something that's like people don't like it, but you think it's good. Like I remember when Dune came out, all the reviews said. It's impossible to understand. It makes no sense. I remember Siskel and Eber. Siskel went off, who I normally liked quite a bit, would go off and say, "It's you know, it makes no sense." Now, I did not read the Frank Herbert book, right? I did, was not familiar. I didn't really know it. I knew a lot of people who read it. I did not read it. I had no trouble understanding Doom. Yeah, nor, nor did just I actually <laughs> pay it. But yeah. actually, pay attention to the dialogue and what the characters are saying. Yeah. It's very easy to understand. I remember them saying. Oh, if they don't, they have to give out like a, a, a thing that explains the whole plot or you'll never understand what's going on. Well, they, I, they I did that, didn't that. they? Didn't they hand out a little they page did. of like they, of they, definitions they did. A, a and glossary. stuff? Yeah. Yeah. A glossary, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I liked it better when Apocalypse Now, they just gave out the credits, you know, <laughs> on the um, on the thing. But the, but the um, but I, I remember with, with Dune, you know, the, the production design is so unbelievably great. You know, the, the, the look is so unique for a science fiction movie that it's like it's impossible to just dismiss it as a guilty pleasure. I think that does it an injustice. So I will go with a movie that is truly terrible in much the way that last year I picked uh, uh, Tough Guys Don't Dance because of its horrible dialogue <laughs> and, and, and because it made no sense and because it thought it was saying something important. But really, it was ridiculous. Um <laughs> So my pick this year is a movie that I've mentioned before on the show, but it will get an official slot. This, this, uh, it will officially be entered into the pantheon of 430 movie picks. That's the 1981 Michael Crichton anti-classic Looker. Dude! <laughs> <laughs> now, that's, that's a good my- I want it. You probably think I'm beautiful, Dr. Roberts, but I'm not. I want it. My nose is 0.2 millimeters too narrow. And my cheekbones are 0.4 millimeters too high. I want it too. I do television commercials. They want a certain look. I did surgery on several girls a few months back, commercial actresses. And there have been some suicides. Michael Crichton, first of all, it, it meets the first criteria for guilty pleasure. It has an amazing one sheet. I remember I went to see the movie despite the reviews, because the one sheet was awesome. It had this stack of like eight or 10 TVs. This is back when TVs were those big CRT uh, behemoths, as uh, Steve uh, Wright might say. And, and then they, there was a silhouetted woman like draped across the TVs and on top of it, it said, looker. Okay, so that's one thing that makes a great guilty pleasure. What's next? Sean LaFleur sings. Well, let's see. Yeah, Sean LaFleur, the old Sean LaFleur, sings the theme song incessantly at Comic-Con when he's drunk. Okay, so Sean <laughs> LaFleur was an old friend of ours who, um, who, who, who left, yes, who left Los Angeles. Um, uh, he had written for The Onion. He was out here, uh, you know, to get his big break in Hollywood. He got signed by big agents, but he decided that the Hollywood life was not for him. He went back to New York to become, wait for it, a... <laughs> private detective slash DJ. Okay. 
<laughs> private detective slash DJ. But Sean, not particularly, uh, he was the one who, 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 who used to tell the joke, which we found hysterical, even though it wasn't funny. Uh, so what's the Emperor's, uh, the Emperor's uh, uh, ship? If, if the executor is Darth Vader's ship, what's the Emperor's ship? Emperor's choice. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> Well, that that was actually that was actually my joke, but the, the, I'll, I'm I'm fine with uh, giving it to me. But it was funny when Sean told it. So Sean w- w- would go around and sell, and it, and it mistakenly said that it was Kim Carnes who sold who who, who, who sang, sang the, Looker. the Looker song, but it is not. It was um, it was um. Oh God, what's her name? Sad and the something or others. I mean, it's it's amazing. I can't remember her because nobody remembers this movie or that song, I- but. Uh, has a very catchy song because of course the movie opens with this montage of plastic surgery and this beautiful blonde who's being stalked by a guy who looks like he's obsessed with Tom Selleck. He has this giant eighties bushy mustache and looks like Tom Selleck and Magnum, but he's not. And in fact, my favorite thing is he in the credits, we get a name. He has a huge role in this movie. He's mustache guy. (laughs) That's his credit. He doesn't even get a name. He's like the main henchman. It would be like odd job being called hot guy. (laughs) (laughs) But instead, this guy is like mustache guy. So yeah. So basically Albert Finney is this plastic surgeon. And this is before like, you know, access Hollywood and TMZ and the Kardashians where people talked freely about um, plastic surgery. It was something that like, you know, you didn't talk about like, Oh, why is, you know, uh, Carissa not around? Oh, she she went away on a vacation for a couple of weeks because really she was bandaged up getting her nose job. Right. And and so Albert Finney is when he's high at Beverly Hills um, plastic surgeons. Now, of course, I lived in New York at the time, so everything seems so glamorous in, 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 in Beverly Hills, all these offices on Wilshire and and, uh, you know, his beach house in Malibu. It's like, oh, California, that's that's where you want to go. And, and so mustache guy has this this light thing that he fires at people that makes time freeze, not literally, but so he ends up, I don't know exactly how he kills this woman in the teaser, but it's great. It's great. He just uses the light thing. She's getting ready to go meet her boyfriend or something and then freezes time. And somehow she ends up falling out the window on like Wilshire Boulevard onto a car. And it's just a horrible thing. We find out a bunch of these beautiful models are being killed. Um, and Albert Finney has done surgery on all of them. This is the Albert Finney you may recall from Tom Jones and Scrooge and such legendary motion pictures, who's now playing Dr. Larry Roberts. Uh, brilliant, brilliant uh, plastic surgeon. And uh, he, he, the police, Dorian Harewood, who's a, a policeman, uh, Lieutenant Masters, I believe, he's investigating the case and it's very suspicious that Dr. Roberts has. Uh, uh, you know, done surgery on all these girls who are being killed, but it really is a sinister plan hatched by James Coburn, who is the CEO of the Reston Corporation, which is um, basically recreating women very, very ahead of its time, very recreating these girls in CGI to use subliminal messages in commercials to control people. Ultimately, they want to control the government. It's not unlike Future World, where they were creating robots to place you know, these people, but um, it's all very ham fisted and ridiculous and it makes no sense, but it has all come to pass. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) The movie is ridiculous and ludicrous. And yet it was so ahead of its time. The the idea of these CGI 
um, um, recreations of characters and of people and how they would use um, it's not so much commercials, but now social media mm -hmm. to manipulate people. It really was a very um, prescient movie. But of course, Michael Crichton was so good at seeing the future. He just does it in such a clumsy way in this movie, but it has that great song. She's a looker. Which I, I, and, I looked uh, it up. Music and lyrics by Barry Devorzan, who wrote the theme from SWAT, by the way. It was performed by Sue Sad. Too sad, yeah, and it is truly sad. And that was that she did that, and Radioactive Dreams was her other big, wow. big song in the eighties, um, which was for another movie. That theme song um, was great, though, dude. Like it I, was great. And I watched that movie when I was on HBO again and again yeah. and again. I was eleven oh, years old. I have no idea why. You know what? I take it back. I should. I should have used this for Guilty Pleasure Week. I should have saved it for movies we watched on, all the HBO. Time on HBO. Well, yeah, because sorry, it's already out I'll, there. I guess I'll go with Bachelor Party. But um, uh, hookers to the left, cocaine to the right. But, oh, those are but, lookers. Uh, lookers to the left. Look <laughs> but I mean, Looker was on HBO all the time. Mm -hmm. But um, I did see it in a theater. I was one of the few people to see it there. It was a huge bomb. Yeah. Everyone saw it on HBO. And in fact, I saw it many times on HBO when, uh, you know, and I've told this story before, because in high school, I used to uh, cut class with this guy, uh, Larry, and we'd go across the street. He lived across the street from the high school. Uh, and um, we'd go up and his uh, his housekeeper would give us cookies and we'd watch HBO for hours. So <laughs> we, <laughs> because I didn't have HBO. Because in Brooklyn, they didn't have cable for many years. And New York had it and this part of Brooklyn had it. So like we would just go and watch movies and eat cookies. And it was great. Part of it was shot at uh, my old employer, Art Center College of Design in Pasadena. Oh, interesting. That's one of the things made me move out to California. Futuristic <laughs> building. You, you, and you know who else is it? We even talk about Susan Day. Susan Day. The Partridge yeah. family. As she's as luminous. She Especially is luminous. when she's on the CRT. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, mm -hmm. it was one of the first examples of, of CG. Yeah. Uh, 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 and where they were recreating her through CG on the monitors. And, of course, you know, she was very upset because it was a PG movie and she, she had to do nudity for this and she was good you know the partridge family i sure. mean she was a f real family type person you know and she wasn't thrilled about it but you know michael Crichton, this was going to be a big break for her in features big break yeah <laughs> and uh <laughs> and it's just and and you know i have to say you know apparently this movie was really cut to shreds and i understand there's a, a an interesting commentary on the warner archives blu-ray release hmm. which i need to listen to um but um the last 20 minutes is actually pretty cool because um they're like the, the James Coburn is doing this demonstration um, and basically Albert Finney is trying to save uh, Susan Day. And there's this whole like gun, it's sort of a stalking slow motion gunfight, uh, you know, uh, through the sets. That's a live broadcast that's going on. And, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, and and then, of course, I know James Coburn ends up getting involved after mustache guy is shot. But um it's kind of really cool. See, that's the thing about Crichton. It's like Westworld we talked about. Not a great movie, but some great ideas in yeah. it. Just execution, eh. I mean, that's the same thing. Like Jurassic Park is really good because it was in the hands of a better filmmaker with, with Spielberg. Um, it's the same thing with Looker. So much going on that's interesting that, that, that makes you, you know, uh, ponder all these, especially in 1981, you know, about manipulating advertising. Sometimes it's very heavy handed. At one point, Susan Day confronts Albert Finney. I wrote this line down. Susan Day says, I could be dead. And they're still asking, and the police 
don't care. They're still asking questions. He says, I, I, I have, I have the right to know if someone is trying to have, trying to kill me. She says, to Albert Finney, I have the right to, to know if someone's trying to kill me. So she then says, do you have a gun? And he says, no. So she's going to go to her parents. She goes to her parents. Her parents are watching TV. And they're so hooked on watching TV, they can't even give her the time of day. It's like kids on their phones now. Like they can't even be bothered because they're, they're so obsessed watching the TV, even though their daughter is being stalked by mustache guy. So um, it's, it's such an entertaining movie. And it remains this day. And I wonder, because it was always, this was always my go-to guilty pleasure for years. And I, I wondered, does it hold up? Is it still a pleasure or is it just guilt? And, uh, and I watched a little of it last night just, just to see if it should be this or Dune or Logan's Run. And it was clearly Looker. It was clear. It was. It was always you. It was, <laughs> I knew it was you, Looker. And it was. Um, it's Look just so delightful. And um, it's not a movie that's particularly well known outside of um, this you know, table. Our age group. This table. <laughs> and, uh, but it's it's really wonderful. And if you haven't seen it, you can. I know it's on iTunes and other streaming platforms. You can download it, or um, but I would recommend the Warner Archives uh, Blu-ray release because, of course, um, uh, it has the Michael Crichton commentary, which I remember getting on—I um, don't know if it was DVD or on Laserdisc, because of course I had the Laserdisc. I think I still have the Laserdisc because I like the one sheet so much, um, which is just really cool. But it just goes to prove, uh, you know, 1980. See, to me, everyone, oh, Goonies and stuff. To me, I was like Looker, nineteen eighty one. That that that's when the that's the fortieth anniversary this year of Looker. Right. Oh my! It's the fortieth anniversary of Looker. Oh my God! Forty that years of Looker. It was forty years ago today. <laughs> oh my! I got it. I, now I have to pick it. See, forty I, years. I ago. remember you uh, when I, years ago you would do screening marathons at my house, and we did a we would periodically do Guilty Pleasures Day, and this was one of your uh, one of the movies you inflicted. Uh, on the group uh, and I'm pretty sure you brought their laser disc and I it might yeah. have been that same one when <laughs> I uh, I brought my uh, my choice I had the to villain yes the villain which <laughs> which I saw in the theater twice when it came out and thought it was pretty damn funny and I hadn't seen it since so I thought I'm going to show the villain <laughs> it's a fun movie that's kind of goofy and I don't think we last more than 10 minutes watching it because it was so bad we had to turn it off if you never heard of this movie it's a live action roadrunner cartoon with kirk douglas as the titular character the villain and arnold schwarzenegger as the handsome stranger who's the hero and you remember what else i showed that day i showed the last 10 minutes of casino royale oh yeah with woody allen as jimmy bond Mm -hmm. um darren were you there did you show something I must have. I can't remember. I'm sure he was. I, I remember it now that you brought it up, Steve. I remember like it was yesterday. I mean, so not like, like 40 years ago. The Last Dinosaur. <laughs> I think. Yeah, uh, that was Paul Salamo's pick was Last Dinosaur. Paul or Scott Or Hyman. Scott Hyman. It was either Scott Hyman or Paul Salamo. That was terrible. Except that Richard, Dune, Richard Boone was in it, which was cool. I think Paul might have showed Space Camp. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Maybe it was Scott <laughs> Hyman who brought Last Dinosaur. <laughs> or one of I don't remember. Right. Yeah, yeah. Those are heady days. Heady days. <laughs> Empress choice. <laughs> so that brings yeah. us to Friday. And all that these- brings us to Friday. So uh, that really is a question for you, the listener. What is your guilty pleasure? Why do you think, or what is your F you? I think it's great. We know what Paul uh, Peter Holmstrom's is. 
Batman versus <laughs> and Superman. Paul Holmstrom, whoever the hell he is. Yeah, no, I, I, I what, what do you, what do you, what, what do you, you know, and and like, uh, I mean, it's like I mentioned Logan's Run, like I think that's kind of a guilty pleasure. It's not a very good movie. Uh, yeah, but I, I think it has it has gone into the pantheon of you know classic sci-fi movies. Okay, though, yeah. whether or not it's I good mean, or not. Uh, are there any other uh, movies you kind of want to put out I, there? Or? I I want to I want to uh, proffer one. Um, uh, Showgirls. Mm, oh, yeah. that's a good choice. That's a great choice. That's a good choice. It's terrible, I, but I can't not watch it. It is really? one of those kind of relentlessly entertaining, yeah. goofy, over the top, overheated, yeah. melodramatic movies with and it boobs. and it has Paul Maudib in it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I um, it's funny because I remember I went to see it at the Beverly Center, which is the worst theaters in L.A. Mercifully, may they rest in peace, those theaters. And um, it definitely not rest in power. They were the f-ing worst. So um, the uh, uh, I saw I saw Showgirls there and I remember thinking this is the worst remake of All About Eve I've ever seen. <laughs> and I, I, I didn't like it. And yet, of course, I had to buy it on Laserdisc where I proceeded not to watch it. I bought it on DVD where I did not watch it. I put it on Blu-ray where I did not watch it. And I'm, 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 I'm wondering, I just remember it was awful. It is. I, I remember, it is. I but, remember, I remember Gina Gershon being okay. Gina Gershon, it's a hoot. The yeah. movie is a hoot. And, you know, you know I, remember, yeah. I remember it being really fun, but then it got really Verhoeven violent, where I remember like, like it was like, a, it was very violent. Like, like yeah. a woman, a lot of violence against a woman, like she was being beat up or, yeah. or something. And that's when it sort of lost me because I did think it was campy fun. And then it suddenly got really super violent, which I don't mind uber but then, violence. But remember, I do. it's just a movie and it didn't actually happen. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But I just felt like it didn't fit that movie, but it's Verhoeven. So I guess... What do you expect? Look, none of um, none of the violence in Verhoeven movies is appropriate level for the movie. So yeah, well, I look, and that's why I would not pick Starship Troopers for guilty pleasures <laughs> because I will die on that hill. I uh, do me not too. think it's a guilty pleasure. I think it's a legitimately great movie. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I got, I got one I'll throw out that was my secondary choice, uh, yeah. and this is a movie from two thousand one, uh, based another movie based on a cartoon. Uh, that I never watched, but went and saw the movie because I try to see most everything, and I thought it was a blast. And uh, it's uh, it's Josie and the Pussycats. Oh, I agree. Which I agree. is a mm-hmm. really fun movie based on the cartoon, starring Rachel Lee Cook, Tara Reid, Rosario Dawson, Parker Posey, Alan Cumming, and it's this really sly sort of satire of the music business, and it's a ton of fun. But it was a bomb when it came out, and I don't think it's very particularly critically uh, well received uh, now mm-hmm. or then. But uh, it's a really fun movie, and it has great songs. Uh, fun characters it has uh, long tails and ears for hats <laughs> no I, I i totally agree steve i i remember i couldn't understand why people did not like that movie so much i think it's super fun i really liked it uh, i i have it on dvd or blu-ray never watched it again but i really really uh really really like josie and the pussy i, I watched I it really I, I watched it last year uh on dvd i don't know if it's out on blu-ray but uh, i watched my dvd in for this for this podcast because i i thought i might pick it for i don't know movies about music, music week or something yeah, yeah, yeah. and and i enjoyed it but ultimately didn't didn't pick it yeah i thought you were gonna pick awakening the buck rogers pilot uh, <laughs> uh, uh, uh. 
any any other any other pick? Should we pick Friday or are we leaving it to the audience? I just want to throw out very quickly, but although I think we should leave it to the audience, what I would have nominated would have been yeah. um, Halloween three season of the witch, which I think oh. was more maligned than it deserved to be because it was not what the audience expected. They didn't get that. You know, John Carpenter had this idea of like of making the Halloween movies more of an anthology, yeah. um, but it's actually pretty well done. Um, it's you very know, it's well got done. Cr- actually. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's got and, like, it's, and it's scary. Yeah, it's legit yeah. scary. Yeah. Um, so it's I not actually, quite guilty or F you, but yeah. You don't really know much about Halloween. Halloween. The barriers will be down between the real and the unreal. And the dead might be looking in. The last great one took place 3,000 years ago when the hills ran red. Halloween, the you happen to know anything about this Cochran? All I can tell you, mister, is watch out. Season He's watching you, friend, I guarantee you that. Trick or treat, trick or treat. Hey, Mr. Cochran, just what is the final process? Fellas, I was just kidding. Witchcraft. To us, it was a way of controlling our environment. I actually want to go back on what I said, because, you know, we did the first Guilty Pleasures. Life Force was our Friday pick. And I, I think there's a case to be made for asking the audience for their pick and still picking Halloween season. The witch is our Friday pick, because that is a movie that is so um, looked down upon by most. And I think it's a movie I can't speak for Steve, but I know Darren just said how, how much he likes it. You did. I think it's a great movie, too. Um, you know, I think that what killed it was, you know, at the time people were expecting to see Michael Myers, you know, Michael Myers and uh, the killer, not the Mike not the, the Saturday Night Live. <laughs> it's like Michael Myers uh, as Michael Myers. <laughs> hey, baby! <laughs> it's it's a it's a ter- it's a terrific movie. And Dan O'Hurley, our our, yeah. our f- fun who you loved in the last Starfighter, is back. And uh, it's a, it's a, it's a great way, Dick. I'm to very disappointed <laughs> <laughs> to have continued uh, from RoboCop to continue uh, that franchise. I was very clever and unfortunately it just, you know, was mismarketed and audiences weren't ready for it, but it's a real Halloween perennial. I think people love it. I mean, I know Brian Fuller is obsessed with it. (laughs) Silver Shamrock. Purple, 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 purple. I mean, that's a, that's a good, that's a good guilty pleasure. I mean, I think that's a good, a good pick. What do you think, Steve? I've only seen it once and, and it was only a couple of years ago. I, I can't, I've never been a particular fan of slasher movies. So, you know, of course I've seen Halloween and I liked it, but um, it's not really my genre. It's not really my bag, right. man. But I, I watched Halloween three cause I wanted to, I wanted to know what all the fuss was about. And sure. I thought it was fine. You know, I don't, I don't have any strong feelings about it. That's what mm-hmm. I'm saying. All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, that brings us. <laughs> Let's recap the, the, the picks for this week on guilty pleasures on Monday, Steve Melching. Monday is uh, Speed Racer. Speed Racer. By the way, Tuesday. Tuesday, he's Hans Christian Anderson. And Wednesday, Ashley Miller. I want you to be nice till it's time to not be nice. Roadhouse. (laughs) And Thursday, she's a looker. Okay. And then Friday... And then Friday, we're going to go, we go with Halloween yeah. 3. We're going to do it. Let's do it. Let's Steve. do it. Come sure. on. Let's do it. Do it. Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. But that doesn't mean we don't want to hear your picks. And you can share your picks 
and grow stronger through the sharing by letting us know on Facebook at 430 Movie, the 430 Movie, or on Twitter at 430 Movie Pod. 430 Movie Pod is a great way to reach us. Um, and of course, you can hear even more of our lovely dulcet insight tones uh, when you listen to English Trexperts which is everything you wanted to know about Star Trek and a lot more that you didn't want to know about Star Trek. <laughs> and we're currently uh, airing the remaining episodes of our 101 greatest sci-fi episodes ever. And that thing is going on and on and on and it's not going to stop. It's like the doomsday machine. So our um, seven approaches. That's right. And you remember that old show on, in, in L.A. that Jay Straczynski and Harlan Nelson used sure, to do? Hour 25. Hour 24. Hour, hour 25. Yeah, hour 25. Yes. I think we're close to hour 25 at this point. Oh, um, and and Thank then uh, you, later this year, you want to look for Cartoon Barroom, a new uh, uh, podcast about animation from the, the twisted minds of Steve Melching and Ashley Edward Miller. I think I have some <laughs> great insights and some great guests. And, of course, check out The Best Movies Never Made from... Um, uh, Steve Scarlatta, the producer of Jodorowsky's Dune, and uh, Josh Miller, who wrote Sonic the Hedgehog. They do a really great show. And if you haven't checked it out yet, you'll really enjoy it. You should check that out. So uh, I want to thank our sound engineer, both uh, the great Bill Ritter and his new apprentice, his young apprentice, oh. Mark Rivera. Mark Rivera, who's who's been helping out to keep us on schedule. So thank you, Mark. Welcome to the family. And uh, of course, Peter Holmstrom, we're just kidding. Other than the fact that we don't agree with you at all about Batman versus Superman, but you've been an enormous help and we deeply appreciate you being part of the team on 430 Movie. Team. And of course, Zach Raggett's team. team, individual achievement. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and, and of course, our producer, Nellie Miscali. So um, thank you, everyone. Welcome to 2021. It's good to be back again. And we'll see you next week on the 430 Movie. Until then, Eyewitness News starts now. A pretty face reflected in a mirror So perfect in every way With every move, the picture's getting clearer She's got it all, she's got it made But when she smiles, is she really? This show is produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production. Engineered by Bill Ritter for the Electric Surge Network.